Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. Well, happy June, Awesomes. We are nearing the halfway point in 2018, our year of the awesome. As a reminder, our year of the awesome is all about becoming and being the awesome that the world around us needs so very much right now. Every month of 2018 has a theme to help us better focus on how we can be more awesome in every area of our lives. And if you are digging the idea of discovering how you can become more awesome, we'd love to have you join our community of listener supporters. We are so thankful for our listener supporters who make our work possible. And you can find out more about how to join us in our mission over at SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support. Okay, so yes, this is episode 147 of Sorta Awesome, and we are right at the beginning of one of my very favorite times of the year. I love the month of June. As a June baby myself, this is birthday month for me, but I also have so many happy memories of spending long summer days reading book after book after book all summer long. And summer is still honestly the time of year when I get the most books read. And so I am so delighted to have here with me today, my dear friend. And I think we can kind of say now our sort of awesome regular Lee Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that? Are you okay with the label? I feel wonderful about that. Okay, good. <laughs> I just kind of sprung that on you. But truly, <laughs> truly, Lee has been here so many times. I feel confident we can say she's a regular on this show. Uh, Lee has joined us for a number of episodes in the past, but it's usually to come on and talk to us about the Enneagram system of understanding our personalities and why we are the way we are. But today, Lee is joining me to talk about all things books and reading for summer 2018. Books are fresh on Lee's mind, probably not just because she has a very awesome Instagram account where she constantly gives great book recommendations, but also because this month Lee is releasing her first book, a novel called A Storied Life. 
comes out on June 12th. So Lee, I'm going to be asking you all about your path to publishing a storied life here in just a little bit. And then we're going to dig into our books and readings list for all of our recommendations, all of our awesome recommendations for summer 2018 reading. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week, that moment in the show where we like to just fill you in on whatever books, TV shows, music, podcasts, movies, whatever the thing is that's making our life a little bit more awesome. We like to share it with you at the top of the show every week. So Lee, what did you bring for us this week? Well, since I normally talk about books for my awesome of the week, it's, it's fun. I get to talk about something different. So today I'm going to talk about some skincare. Uh, yes. Something please. that everybody needs totally. to know about. Right at my uh, So it is called Acne Pimple Master Patch oh. by C-O-S-R-X. I don't know if there's a way to like say that, okay. but it's all caps. Yes. So. Gotcha. So there are these thin, clear patches that you put over the pimple. Okay. Um, some people will just like wear them around town. I Whoa. tend to put them on overnight. Okay. Um, so you just like stick the stick the patch on your pimple. Yeah. And then wait for it to turn clear. And it like draws the pimple out. Okay. Like it is magic. Interesting. I, I feel a little squeamish just imagining this, but but wait, you don't you don't see anything. It's just like okay. it just kind of adheres to the patch. So you just like peel it back off and like throw it away and Oh and gosh. either either your pimple will be completely gone or it will have like turn into a white head and then you can take care of it from there. But oh, wow. it is just it's so it's so wonderful. I mean, you, you can use other kind of things to treat it, it from the internal level. But when you have a breakout, yeah, that has become my go to and it works like a charm every time. So if it's if it's something that people could just put on and wear and just go about your day when you're saying it's like thin and clear, I mean, does it like it really, it just kind of blends in with your skin or can you tell that you've got a little? Like you, you definitely have to have pale skin, I think, to get away with it. Okay. And my skin is a little darker. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't quite blend in. Okay. Um, so it, it does depend on your skin tone if you can wear it around town or if you just like don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, totally. If you don't care, then just wear it. Um, but it's, it, it, it's wonderful. And they, they come in different sizes. So there's like little teeny tiny ones and there's bigger ones and okay. um, it's great. I did see these um, pimple patches at Target that I found last week. Just, and I was like, oh, it's a dollar cheaper. I'll see how this works. And it, they don't work as well. So okay. I would go, I would go with the COSRX. Okay. Get the, get the like real brand. Yeah. Name and you can, it's only five bucks on Amazon for like okay. a 24 pack. So this is very exciting. This is a fantastic <laughs> discovery. And truly, you know, in the summer, we're outside, we're sweating a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I even have had a breakout. This is so dumb, but it's true real life. I've even had a breakout along my eyebrow line where I wear my sunglasses. Oh, yeah. I guess yeah. just from being outside and sweating and I've got my sunglasses right against my face. And so I've had a little breakout happening there that I have not been super thrilled about. But now I think I have a solution in here. Yes, so that's perfect for it. Mm -hmm. This is very exciting. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Tell me the actual name of the product again. Acne Pimple Master Patch. All right. That's a mouthful. We will definitely get yes. a link up in the show notes <laughs> for this potential miracle worker for our summer skin and probably for any time of year, honestly. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay. Well, my awesome of the week this week is a podcast episode that 
has really kind of given me a new lease on life for the summer ahead. It is an episode from the podcast Abiding Together. Abiding Together is a weekly podcast for women. It is aimed at Catholic women, but I think it's pretty open and accessible to to lots of um, women coming from different backgrounds. It's hosted by three women, Michelle Benzinger, uh, Heather Kim, and Sister Miriam James Hydland. And they just get together. It's essentially girlfriend chat every week, but with a little bit of a Catholic flair to it. But their most recent episode that just came out over Memorial Day weekend is about thriving in summer, how to thrive in summer, which I know this is the time of year when lots of our media that we're um, consuming and that we like, um, everybody's got summer tips and tricks. We just did our own summer parenting hacks episode. <laughs> it's definitely on all of our minds. But what I really appreciated about this episode from Abiding Together, um, the one that's called How to Thrive in the Summer, is it really takes a perspective on how to de- continue developing your spiritual formation through the summer, even though that's a time when a lot of us think, well, I'm just going to take time off from everything in my life, (laughs) which is good (laughs) for, you know, definitely all need those times of true rest. But they just had some very good and practical tips for continuing to develop the spiritual part of your life throughout the summer. And one thing that I loved that they said was the idea of setting a weekly intention. So at the beginning of the week, just kind of thinking about what areas do I want to grow in through the week ahead? And because I'm such like a rhythm and routine oriented person, this feels like such a perfect fit for me because I like the predictability of like, okay, we're turning over a new, you know, a new page in the planner. What are we going to think about this week? What are we going to work on? I myself during the summer can get so distracted with just going and doing and activities and taking people here and going to the pool and all of these things. So, um, I just thought it was so helpful. So again, this episode of the Abiding Together podcast is called How to Thrive in the Summer. I will put a link in the show notes to that specific episode. It's not terribly long if you want to check it out for a little spiritual inspiration for the summer ahead. Okay, so those are our awesomes of the week this week. You know, every single Friday over in our Sort of Awesome Hangout group, we open up the floor and ask you all, our community of awesomes, to share with us what is awesome in your life. If you have not joined us in our Sort of Awesome Hangout group, we would love to have you. You can find us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sort of Awesome Hangout. Awesome's summer is here, and that means lots of us are loading up our families and heading out on road trips or even just planning to spend the whole day at the pool. But that means lots of us have to solve the problem of what do we do with our beloved family pet while we're out of the house this summer. Luckily for us, there's Rover. Rover connects pet parents with the dog people in their area who will treat their pets like family. What's so awesome about Rover is that they are the nation's largest national network of five-star pet sitters and dog walkers. Rover knows that your dog deserves only the best, so only 20% of sitters who begin their profiles are ultimately accepted to become Rover pet sitters. The things that I love most about using Rover are number one, the free meet and greets. They provide free in-person interviews and home environment visits to help 
help you find the perfect match between your pet sitter and your pet. Secondly, I love how easy it is to use their app. You can search for a pet sitter, book a pet sitter, and pay your pet sitter all through Rover's app. So easy, and it really takes the stress out of finding a pet sitter for your dog. So for $25 off your first booking, visit rover.com slash sorta awesome and use promo code sorta awesome during checkout. That's $25 off your first booking through Rover when you go to rover.com slash sorta awesome and use promo code sorta awesome during checkout. Thank you, Rover. All right. So I am so excited to talk books and reading with Lee. Lee is a person in my life who, when she sends me a book recommendation, I'm like, okay, it's moving to the top of my list. She understands my taste (laughs) and she knows what I'm going to like. I cannot wait to talk about our recommendations for your summer reading this year. But first, Lee, this is such an exciting time for you. How are (laughs) you feeling? You are about to release out into the world a book, a novel, a story that has been a part of you and your life something that you've been working on for a long time, and now it's about to be born out into the world. How are you feeling, first of all? I'm feeling very excited. It's it's still a little bit scary, but mostly, mostly I'm excited just to finally put it out there and see what happens with it. It's just been kind of sitting and yeah. waiting and biding its time. Yes. And it's time it's time for it to live. So and now it's time. It's so exciting. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want you to tell us anything about the storyline yet. Hang on to the plot okay. details because we're going to get to that later in the episode. But the first thing I have to ask you about is I want to know more about the story of publishing a storied life because I know that this is an idea that you've had percolating. The story has been kind of percolating for you for a while. And I know that your path to publishing this novel is maybe not the conventional path that people take. So kind of walk us through just what the publishing part of this book has been like for you. Uh, So the idea came to me about a year after my grandmother died, a year or two, I should say. Um, And that was my grandma died in 2007. And the idea came to me about a year or two later, I was sitting in my car driving and a song came on the radio and it just sparked my imagination. And in the back of my head, I had been noticing that there weren't certain books uh, or weren't many books along, along the lines of the topic that I wanted to explore. And writing a novel had always been in the back of my head since I was a little kid. I just thought that being a writer would be amazing. But writing a novel is kind of an intimidating undertaking. (laughs) So I didn't know if I had it in me. I didn't know if I could do it. Um, So I had that idea and it wouldn't leave me alone, which is different from other ideas that had come to me in the past. And I talked to my best friend about it. And she was like, you should do it. Like She didn't even hesitate. And so I started to think about the plot. Um, But that even took a while before I actually sat down and wrote it. I feel like I had written maybe 2,000 words. And then I moved to Nashville from Chicagoland to, to Nashville. So then it was kind of on hold again. And then I was starting a new job. And so then it was on hold again. Um, and then I quit that job. And between quitting and finishing, I wrote the novel in six months. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's quite an undertaking right there. Because yeah, yeah, that's a lot of story to unfold in six months. Yeah. So and it was a really, really neat process to see not only could I do it, but it was just 
really fascinating to see where the story was coming from because I had ideas of what was going to happen in the plot. Like I knew the beginning and the end and like a few key moments in the plot, but everything else kind of came as, as I was writing and the characters really did speak to me. Like they really did take over. And I didn't know if that was a myth that writers said, right. <laughs> but it's true. Um, so then I finished it and I was kind of like, okay, I, I think this is good. I had a few friends that read it and, uh, and I don't think that they were lying to me or like that they were fully biased in, in their responses. I mean, maybe they were a little biased, but, <laughs> but they, they seemed to really enjoy it. And so I thought I would maybe, uh, see if I could find an agent and I sent out one query. Wait, what year is this when, when so you finally I finished, finished the draft? I finished it December, 2011. Okay. And then a couple of months later, I, I emailed one agent and never heard back. And I, and I was kind of like just testing the waters. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, if it was really ready. Um, and so I just kind of shelved it for a while. And I moved a couple more times. Yes. <laughs> I guess that's what I do. Um, <laughs> and about uh, two, two or three years ago, I started to think about self-publishing. Because I didn't know, I didn't know exactly, I didn't know if it would appeal to, to a publisher or not. I okay. believed in the story, mm-hmm. but there isn't really anything, I couldn't find any comparable books where I could say, you know, if you look at this, it's like a combination of these things um, where a publisher would maybe want to take a chance on it. Right. Or yes. even an agent to take a chance on it. Okay. Uh and so I started to just put some feelers out there as, you know, trying to find an editor and trying to think about who would I hire to do the cover design. And there's a lot more information now in terms of self-publishing. Wait, just so many resources, so many people that will tell you about their their journey in self-publishing. And, um, and, it, and I don't think that there's the same stigma attached to it that there used to be. I mean, in some circles, there still is. But by and large, um, there are people that are doing amazing things in self-publishing. Um, and, and incidentally, I also started reading romance along around that same time that I was thinking about self-publishing. And romance right. authors who self-publish are killing it. I right. have learned so much from watching their careers. <laughs> and it's incredible. And so it made me think, well, I didn't write a romance, but I think I can take these same ideas and principles and apply them um, to my work as well. Absolutely. So once I decided to hire an editor, everything was going really well. And then I lost 83 pages of revisions. Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it just makes my stomach hurt to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was a very, very bad, dark day. (laughs) Yes. It was just a weird computer fluke. I had just gone from PC to Mac and was using new programs and things weren't saving the way that I was used to. And yeah, it was just kind of gone and into the abyss. And so then I kind of put it to the side for another year. Oh, yes. I mean, that's a lot to recover from 83 pages of work just gone. Yeah, it was. That's tough. It was not. I'm glad that there were no children present when I realized what had happened. <laughs> it got because, real intense, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Um, so I so I put it inside, and then I decided, I guess a, a year ago at this point, that I really wanted to put it out into the world. I really wanted to just move forward with it. And so I picked it back up 
and got my edits done Did the first round of, of edits, then the second round, um, and hired a cop, a cover designer and have just kind of moved forward with everything. And it's, it's all happening really fast. So it, like the writing and the editing process, you know, took longer than I anticipated, but now that I've decided to put it out in the world, it's really happening. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that part of it, because I think for people who are outside of the publishing realm altogether, just say an average reader, when they hear self-publishing, they may be thinking, oh, somebody just like got out their Word document and typed up some words and just sent it over to <laughs> to Amazon. And then now they're self-published. But truly, the the path is similar in a lot of ways, in the sense that you do have you had an editor who went through your work with you, and you continue to do, you know, the revisions and the reshaping that editors will, you know, sometimes suggest happen. And yeah, like cover design, like all of these things that go into creating an actual book, you were there it yet, and probably in a lot of ways had more creative control over the finished yes. product. Because, I have all the creative control. <laughs> yes, when you're working with a publisher, there are some things that as a as an author, as a writer, you get to decide, but some things are, once you've signed that contract, they're out of your hands. And so um, I'm sure in a lot- yeah, It takes a lot longer too, yes. like between like signing with an agent and then signing with a publisher, like you're looking at, you know, at least a year or two before your book will actually yes. hit shelves. Um, and I decided, I basically set my release date, uh, I think seven weeks ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so once, once you get all of those other pieces in place, then it's just a matter of getting it sent to, you know, signing up with Smashwords, distribute the ebook, and then getting with create space to do the print copy. Um, and all of that can come together really, really fast. Oh, so fun. Okay, so you guys, you have to hang on because we're going to actually talk about the book itself, A Storied Life, at the end of the episode today after we share some of our recommendations for your reading this summer. So you're going to want to hang on and stay tuned for that. So Lee, thank you, because I know too, I know that of our awesomes who are listening right now, there are more than a few out there that also have this story idea that this story has come to them and these characters have come to life for them, but they haven't known what what's the next right step to take with this? And so mm -hmm. I know that there are people who are listening who are like, huh, maybe this is something that I could do too. So thank you. For and I would, I would encourage anyone who has, who has that idea, just see what'll happen because I really didn't know if, if I could write a novel. Yeah. Um, and I, and I did it. <laughs> that yes. was a huge accomplishment. It and is huge. I know I could and do I it. love being able to say that I did it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. When you were saying that these characters came to life for you and they took on, you know, a life of their own and you know, the story came together, which we can talk about more in a little bit. I know that I just I can just say honestly, I don't have a novel in me. I don't understand how dialogue works. Um <laughs> I know good dialogue when I read it, but to actually be able to create it and to have that thing of like these characters have come to me they have their own story they the characters sort of you know kind of set the course for how the plot's going to play out i have personally never experienced that so when i hear writers talk about that i'm like this is like magic everybody <laughs> let's all acknowledge that writing fiction <laughs> is a special kind of magic so you did it you saw it through to the end it's so exciting mm -hmm. <laughs> so and yes it's going to have a, a june birthday as well like i do yeah. so 
So yep. fun. So fun. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go ahead and dig into our recommendations for this year. We have, Lee and I put together, I think a really good mix of both light and easy breezy summer reads and some that are going to be a little bit more weighty to take on for the summer. We have a good mix of like contemporary fiction and some nonfiction and some romance, which we have never covered really on Sort of Awesome before. So I'm super excited about that category. So we absolutely have something for everyone on this year's list of books, our reading recommendations for summer 2018. Don't forget, as always, we will have links to all of these books. So as you're listening, don't feel like you need to take notes or anything. We have links for all of the books we're going to cover in the show notes for today's episode, which you can always find all of those show notes over at sortaawesomeshow.com. So I'm going to kick things off with my very favorite genre, the one that I am always talking about, and that is young adult literature. I actually threw in a little bit of new adult this time too, Lee, I think. It's kind of like dancing on the edge between young adult and new adult. Lee is the one who even educated me about what the new adult genre is, which is sort of the bridge between true young adult where you have kind of, you know, middle school and teenage kids into, and it's not, but it's not quite contemporary fiction yet. It's sort of in that uh, late teen, early twenties into the mid twenties frame of protagonist. Does that, does that feel right? Am I saying this right? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) They're like, it's like kind of coming of age for college or early twenties, late teens. Yeah. Totally, totally. Okay, so my first recommendation for this summer is called Nice Try, Jane Sinner by Leanne Elke. Have you heard of this one? No. Okay. Well, Tell me more. It came out at the beginning of 2018. It's definitely young adult, but it is maybe leaning a little bit into the new adult territory. Um, so it's the story of our protagonist is named Jane Sinner. That is actually our character's name. <laughs> she gets expelled from her high school and her parents, in an effort to convince her to finish her high school education, they convince her to do a kind of like a high school completion program at a local community college. And she agrees to do this on one condition that she can move out of her parents' house. Now, she was a senior in high school. She's 17, mind you, as the story opens. Mm -hmm. So she's not totally sure how she's going to be able to afford living on her own. So she signs up for to be included on a reality TV show. (laughs) The, The reality TV show in the story is called House of Orange. And it's basically a Big Brother concept. only it's like a really low rent, low budget version of Big Brother. Like (laughs) if you're in the cast, which Jane does become part of the cast of House of Orange, you you get to live in this house with roommates, but you do still have to pay rent. It's reduced rent, but you do have to pay rent to be part of this (laughs) reality experiment. (laughs) Yes. You do little, you know, kind of stunts and challenges, kind of like Big Brother has, but the prizes are like restaurant gift cards. (laughs) So... And, Love it. Yes. And the grand prize is a car, but it's a used car. I mean, so there's <laughs> lots of like funny things <laughs> about the setup in Nice Try Jane Center with the House of Orange. So also, instead of being on network TV, it's on YouTube. So one of the things that's interesting to me, because I am always interested in in the way communities work, even when you're talking about online communities, even when you're talking about like YouTube culture, YouTube culture is very fascinating to me, even though I do not have like a YouTube 
you know, sort of star that I follow or anything like that. I see it play out as my kids are watching YouTube. Even my husband has YouTubers that he loves to watch. I find it also fascinating. Well, then you also have reality TV fandom and how people can get so obsessed with the people that are on reality TV shows and that whole culture, that whole community. So those things are playing out as the context in this book. But in the meantime, you also have Jane coming into her own. Again, she's 17. She's she's dealing with a lot of stuff. She's kind of trying to find herself, find a purpose in life. Oh, a side note, I forgot to mention this. Jane um, struggles with depression. But that's like not even the whole point of the story arc. You know, a lot of times, mm-hmm. Lee, when a protagonist has depression, it's like, this is very serious because it's about depression, which I mean, like, I struggle with depression. I understand it is very serious. But right. it's sort of almost like a side issue in the book, but it's there. Um, but she kind of is kind of learning how to navigate all of these dynamics on the reality TV show. Is she going to really make a run for it? Is she going to get competitive and try to win? It's very funny. Jane, the main character, is very snarky. You also have Jane kind of separating herself from her parents' Christian faith. So her parents are very religious people. She's kind of, again, a 17-year-old, she's exploring what it would be like to not have that belief system in place. So there's Mm -hmm. lots of stuff going on in the book. I will say it's 435 pages, and I'm just going to be super honest. The first say a first quarter of the book about the first hundred pages it's a little slow it's a little bit of a slow start but if you hang with it it is well worth it another interesting note about uh nice try jane center is it's written in journal style like the formatting is like her journal entries oh okay so it really plays with the, the form and the format of story in some really interesting ways so it's really fun. It's very fascinating, especially if you like to think about pop culture and the way we live our lives and commenting on each other's lives and how that all plays out. I think there's something for everyone fun in this book. Again, it's called Nice Try Jane Sinner by Leanne Elke. I hope I'm saying her last name right. And there'll be a link in the show notes. Um, okay, so another one that plays with form and format, but in a much more traditional way, is uh, Runaways. Volume one, it's called Find Your Way Home. This is the new Runaways series, the revival of a Runaways comic series. But this one is written by my beloved Rainbow Rowell. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you had seen that she is doing this, but Runaways was a comic book series in the early 2000s from the Marvel Universe. And so this is volume one. They're doing a revival of this series. And... uh Rainbow Rowell was tapped to be the author of this. I have professed my undying love for Rainbow Rowell here on this show and all over the internet. Uh, You all might know her name. She's written very well-known and beloved books like Eleanor and Park, Fangirl, Carry On, which was one of my awesomes of the week on the show. Um, The much underrated attachments, which I think actually may now be my favorite Rainbow Rowell. I don't know. I go back and forth. Um, (laughs) But, Lee, I had held out on reading this comic book series because I'm not a comic book reader. <laughs> so as much as I love Rainbow Rowell, I was always like, well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'll probably pass on this. Well, I decided to go ahead and pick it up and read it. And um I loved this book. I really did. It's the first comic book I've ever read in my whole entire life. 
And oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's written by Rainbow Rowell. The illustrator is Chris Anka. And so, yeah, they were given the task of taking this original cast of characters from the Runaway series, breathing new life into the story. I cannot speak to how well they did that because I have not read the original Runaway series. But Find Your Way Home is really awesome. It did take me a minute to get used to reading comic books. But mm. it, but what Rainbow Rowell doesn't make it so easy. Everything that I love about her books, the way that she can convey like so much emotion and nuance and character in just a few words, it all translates seamlessly into the comic book format. So it's essentially a group of teenagers who discovered that their parents were part of this like evil organization called the Pride. And eventually, this group of teens kind of comes together, they find their way to each other, they realize they've inherited powers from their parents. They're sort of unwieldy, no one ever has taught them how to use them. <laughs> oh, gosh, <laughs> one is a witch, one can do magic. Um, so another one's a telepath, one has mutant strength. So it's kind of like comic book types of powers. And the hijinks ensue from there. So this is volume one in the series. Again, it's called Find Your Way Home. There's very much um let's get the band back together feel to it because again, they're bringing back, they're bringing in all of these characters from that had already been established in the original series. But even if you haven't read the original series, like me, it was no problem to keep up with what's going on. So even if you don't like comic books, I definitely invite you to pick up Runaways, book one, find your way home. If you like stories about people discovering real and true things about themselves in the midst of difficult situations and how relationships grow and change and all that good rainbow rail goodness in comic book format. <laughs> What's not love. And I'm super excited now for volume two, which comes out in October. So again, that is the runaway series. Volume one, find your way home, rainbow Rowell illustrated by Chris Anka. It's fantastic. Okay. Last one. And then I can't wait for us to get to your first category. The last one is from sort of awesome guest from last year, Aisha Saeed. It's her newest release, Amal Unbound. It just came out last month when she came to sort of awesome last year to talk about how we need diverse books and we need diverse literature. She kind of, she kind of hinted at Amal Unbound. Well, it's here. I just finished it. It's fantastic. I will say it is a solidly middle grade book. So AJ, my fourth grader, read it last month. Um, it was not too challenging for her. It would be a good fit for middle school aged kids, even early high school, I think could get could hang with the story. It tells the story of Amal. She is a 12 year old Pakistani girl in a small village in Pakistan, who um She's a bright, shining star in her classroom. She's super excited about learning and school, and she has a bright future plan for herself. But something happens where she accidentally offends the major, like, power-holding family in their little village in Pakistan. And then she has to pay off this debt by basically entering into um, indentured servitude. She's forcibly made to become a servant in the household of this big, powerful family in their village. And, um, you know, in the, throughout the opening of the book, it just, you know, Aisha say you just really emphasizes how Amal, the character is just so excited about learning, and she can't wait for her future. And all of that comes crashing to a halt when she's forced to become part of the household staff for this family. And so the story unfolds from there. And we really get a sense of not only Amal's devastation at being forced to become a servant, but also her family is just crushed. 
it's a very powerful story, but what I like most about it, again, it's middle grade level. Um, but what it really helps us deal with is this issue that we often talk about under another name, which is human trafficking and how debt bondage is something that we might think about like, oh, that just happened in the middle ages. Or maybe, you know, like I can remember learning about indentured servitude, like in colonial America context, but truly it is still a reality today. And so what Aisha Saeed does so well is she paints this very accurate, very real, realistic, but very age appropriate view on what that looks like and how it can still happen even in 2018 globally. I love the fact that it gives voice and insight into Muslim culture, into Pakistani culture from an authentic voice. So it's an issue, and Lee, I'm sure you would agree with this, that would be very difficult for like a white middle-class author to really be able to speak to with integrity. Right. Yeah. So, but coming from Aisha Saeed, there's this delicate balance between honoring the culture that Amal and her family in this village really honors that culture, but also critiques some injustice inherent in Mm. that culture. It's such a delicate balance, but she pulls it off perfectly. So again, this is Amal Unbound. The cover is gorgeous. This is one you want to buy and put on the bookshelf in your home library because it is gorgeous. And it's a fantastic read by Aisha Saeed. So those are my young adult slash new adult picks for summer 2018. Lee, what do you have for us as the first part of your list? So when we talk about romance, we have to define a couple of things first. Let's do talk about romance. Okay, wait. <laughs> because a lot of people have these preconceived notions about what a romance is, um, or and also what it isn't. Uh, so I I want to talk about like I want to define what a romance novel is. Okay. Really, it's about a happily ever after. Okay. So if it doesn't have a happily ever after. It's not a romance. Oh my gosh. Like, that's like the best definition I've ever heard. So like Nicholas Sparks, he does not write romance. Okay. He he may write love stories, uh-huh. uh, but he does not write romances. It, it is a lot of unhappy endings yeah. for his books. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, so he will he will not be on this list. Okay. You know, rest everybody's mind. Okay. The other thing we have to talk about is the heat level. This okay. is the one thing that everyone always associates with romance and not understandably so but there's a wide variety of heat level and the best way to talk about it is in terms of closed door versus open door oh you ever heard more no tell me more (laughs) i can't wait to hear so with a with a closed door romance um the the romance kind of happens off the page okay you may see the characters kiss uh-huh. Like maybe a little bit more than that, but anything else is going to happen behind the bedroom door. There's going like to be up of, your imagination. Right. Sort of like a fade to black kind of. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then with an open door, <laughs> the door is open. Okay. <laughs> you will get all of the details. And and there is there is a range even with that because it depends on how explicit the author is going to be. Right. So everyone thinks of romance, they may think it's all open door, but it's not. Like there really is a romance for everyone, depending on on how steamy yes. you want your read to be. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh so I read mostly open door. Okay. But I am gonna start off with a closed door recommendation. Okay. Uh, just in case that is more to someone's taste. 
So it is Her Perfect Affair by Priscilla Oliveris. Okay. It is wonderful. Like, I can't stop gushing about this book because it's so good. So it's a Latinx contemporary romance with a librarian heroine and a surprise baby plot. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so um, so Rosa is is the librarian, and she has been friends with Jeremy for years. Uh, never thought that, that she could act on her feelings. And he also has feelings for her, but, like, doesn't want to wreck the friendship. Um, and they end up hooking up one night after her sister's wedding. And then, surprise, she gets pregnant. Surprise, baby. <laughs> All right. But they're not together. And so it's really about they have feelings for each other. They don't want to act on them. But they are also having a baby. So now they're going to have to be together in some way, shape, yeah. or form. They yeah. have to figure this out. Um, and it's just really just really moving to see them work through their own internal conflicts um, as well as figuring out could they take the risk on one another and like, how do they feel about this unexpected pregnancy? Um, there's also this really great um, characterization of Rosa's sisters. They are just such wonderful side characters and actually each sister gets her own book. So this oh. is her perfect affair is the second book in the series. Okay. I have not the first one yet. That okay. is, with a, another sister and then the third sister will get her own book and I believe that comes out soon um but it's just a book that makes you happy oh I love it I it's love just, it just that's so interesting I feel like um it seems like a lot of romances are is are are, are series fairly common in the romance genre Yes. Okay. It feels like it. The one that I just recently talked about on the show, Neanderthal Seeks Human, I know is part of the yes. first in the series. Yes. <laughs> um, from Penny Reed. And it seems like a, I've come across quite a few romance titles that are like, you know, like number four in the, this series or whatever. So I love that idea of kind of taking characters and um, giving them their own books to have yes. their own stories. And a, lot of, a lot of romance series can be read as standalones and they're written that way on purpose. You yeah. can kind of jump in at any point and you might miss out on a few details if you don't read in order, but um, generally not, not a big deal. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. And so what was the name of it again? Her Perfect Affair? Her Perfect Affair by Priscilla Oliveris. Okay. Awesome. Love it. What's next? Next one is A Girl Like Her by Talia Hibbert. Okay. She is a new to me author. She has actually only been putting out books since this past fall, but she has several books out. I think she publishes one almost every month. Oh, and wow. I am not sure how she does it. Yeah. But they're amazing. <laughs> they're so That's incredible. She's very so prolific, it sounds like. She is. She is. She's also she was just on um the Smart Podcast Trashy Books podcast yes, a couple uh -huh. weeks ago. Yes. And she is apparently also in school right now. She's finishing up her university degree. Wow. And I'm like, I don't I don't know how <laughs> she does it. Yeah. But she's amazing. Um, so this is a small town romance between two neighbors. Evan has just moved to this town and everyone warns him away from Ruth. He doesn't know why, doesn't understand why the town seems to hate her so much. Um, but she's his next door neighbor and he is this kind of caretaker personality. And so he can't, can't ignore his neighbor. Like it's not in his DNA. Right. Um, but Ruth is like this really cranky, <laughs> eccentric comic book artist. And so she's like 
kind of also been isolating herself from the town uh, because of past incidences. And so she's kind of like, why does this guy keep coming around? Like he keeps cooking for her. Like he'll just bring her over a meal. And so they end up spending more and more time together. Um, And the other interesting part of Ruth is that she has autism. So, um, and Talia Hibbert also has autism. And so this is an own voices book. Yeah. And I just, I love the insights into how Ruth's mind worked. Um, And she, I mean, she's a comic book artist. So I just also under really love that layer of the story, even though I'm, I'm not like you, I do not really read comic books, but I really appreciate people who are nerdy and passionate about, yes, <laughs> about that. Absolutely. Um, so she's just this really fierce character. And I loved watching her slowly lower her guard around Evan and start to heal from, from the past. Um, and Evan is just like this magical unicorn of a guy. <laughs> it sounds like it. I'm like, brings over dinner a lot. <laughs> Yeah, me up. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he makes he makes meals for Ruth. He also makes dinner for his friend whose mom is is really ill. Like he just is always looking for other people and he really needs someone who will help him take care of himself and that's kind of where Ruth comes in. Uh-huh. So it's just really really great. Yes. So that is A Girl Like Her by Talia Hibbert. Okay. Um you will definitely be hearing more about her just in the romance sphere because she is just taking over the world. She's phenomenal. So what's the spiciness level on that one, would you say? It's definitely an open door. Okay. All right. Definitely open. So pretty spicy. It, it is delightful. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else do you have for us? So next we have Strawberry Summer by Melissa Braden. Uh, this is a second chance romance set in a small town and it's kind of a coming of age tale as well. We get these flashbacks to high school um, when Margaret and Courtney first meet um, and we see them fall for each other, but then things fall apart. So when the novel starts out, Courtney has just moved back into town um, and, and Margaret is just like not really interested in spending any time with Courtney. She broke her heart, just does not, doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, but they are just such great characters. This is another romance that just you read it and you are just smiling because it just makes you happy. Yes. They, they're just such interesting characters. Um, the romance is really sweet and tender. Um, it's also passionate. Not going to lie about that. Uh, and just the plot went in such interesting directions. There is um, a bit of a heartbreak that is contained in the middle of the plot. Okay. Um, but it just made the book stronger, like that much stronger, because it didn't shy away from the hardships of life. So it's a it's a really happy, but nuanced, realistic novel. And it's also really funny. Maggie is just really wry. And uh, I don't know, I Melissa Braden, well done. That's That's what I say about that. So Strawberry Summer by Melissa Braden. Good stuff. I love funny characters again it goes back to that thing of like i can't even imagine constructing like regular dialogue but then to be able to create something that is also funny and engaging in that way i just love it so yeah yeah so great hey awesomes if you're a longtime listener of the show then you may remember me sharing with you one of my most embarrassing moments ever that had to do with me being in the sixth grade braces and headgear 
Well, thankfully, this is 2018, and if you would love to have the look of straightened teeth, you no longer have to go to your local orthodontist office, and you certainly do not have to humiliate yourself with wearing headgear in public. I mean, you should never do that anyway. But thankfully, now there's Candid Co., Candid is helping people like us gain confidence through accessible and affordable orthodontic care. Here's how. Candid makes clear aligners that are sent directly to your home and are customized specifically to straighten your teeth. The Candid aligners can fix crooked teeth, crowding, protrusion, gaps, and there is no office visit needed. Everything is delivered right to your home. You'll get straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months, and Candid costs 65% less than braces. You're finally a grown-up, and it's finally time to do something about getting straighter, wider teeth. Take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. And when you use our awesome link, candidco.com awesome, you will save 25% on your modeling kit. That's candidco.com slash awesome to get 25% off the price of your modeling kit. Candidco.com slash awesome. Okay, well, you all know that I read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of nonfiction. <laughs> it's usually <laughs> what I'm reading. Um, a lot of the nonfiction that I love is spiritual memoir, which I did read a fantastic one. I'm just going to tell you the title of it. If you want to check it out, it's called an immovable feast by Tyler Blansky. I just read it this year. It's great, but I don't have time to even talk about spiritual memoir because I also have been, um, kind of foraying into productivity and make your, make your life happen books. (laughs) <laughs> Which I, even though I'm a, I read a lot of nonfiction, I've kind of shied away from those because I don't know if you're like this, Lee, but sometimes productivity books just stress me out. <laughs> like, they I make you feel like you're a failure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're difficult for me. I just start to think like, well, a lot of it is I have all of these ideas. Like I'll read it and be like, I can totally do this. And then the implementation doesn't work. And then, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's a bad cycle, which I know yep. is not the enti- intended or desired effect of reading productivity books, but right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what usually happens. But I have a few, these are not like necessarily productivity books, but they're kind of inspiration books. And I know that the summer is not when people are normally thinking about like, how can I make my life more efficient? That's not exactly what these books are about. But I do think summer is a great time for daydreaming and for just kind of like thinking, whether you're on a road trip or if you're poolside or I don't know, just long lingering conversations with friends. I really feel like the slowed down pace of summer is conducive to thinking about what do I want to do once we get back into the regular rhythms and routines of life? What do I want to do with my life and my time? Um, I think the first book is a really great guide for that. It's called Off the Clock, Feel Less Busy While Getting More Done. And it's by Laura Vanderkam, who has been on Sort of Awesome before. Um, She does write a lot of productivity books, a lot of like use your time wisely kinds of books. And what I really appreciate about Off the Clock is that she really comes at it from the idea of she herself realized, like, I have invested a lot of my areas of study and career and teaching and, and helping people figure out how to like make every minute count. But she kind of hit a point where she was like, what, 
my my days are so scheduled out, but what am I doing that is really meaningful to me? Where am I finding space to really enjoy life? And I really love her approach. I feel like I think that this is my thing with productivity books. It's all about the tone of, that the author takes. And I yes. feel like a lot of productivity books for me ha- are very didactic. They're very like, well, if you just do this, then you can obviously do this. And, you know, <laughs> and you're like, you don't know my life. <laughs> you don't know my life. You don't know. <laughs> and I really appreciate Laura Vanderkam's approach. And I don't want to say too much about the actual text of the book, because I do think she's going to come back to sort of awesome and talk about off the clock, which will be amazing. Oh, but I just finished it. And um, it's super approachable in that she's like, listen, I'm in here with this. I'm in this struggle, too. Like, I am a person who is productive. I am a person who does use time wisely. But even I struggle with figuring out how can I create a life that is filled with more of the things that are meaningful, not necessarily like free time and, you know, hanging out on a floaty in the pool, but like, how do I create a life that at the end of the day, I feel like is meaningful. In her typical way, she brings in lots and lots of research, lots of conversations with other people who are great in their field. There's lots of that in there, but she also makes it very practical and very approachable. Um, if you really dig that idea of evaluating your life and looking at how you can make little tweaks to make life more meaningful, I really think that you'll like Off the Clock from Laura Vanderkam. Um, another one that's kind of along those lines, but in a more narrative way, is One Beautiful Dream by Jen Fulweiler. Um, Jen Fulweiler is a very well-known um, Catholic radio personality. She's also written, a, her first book is her sort of conversion story called Something Other Than God. Um, but in One Beautiful Dream, she talks about like what happened after she became an author and a radio personality. And she has six kids and they um, had owned their own business and like their life was very full and very busy. And how do you, how exactly do you confront the chaos of a busy, busy life and still push forward with the thing that makes you, whatever it is for her, it's, you know, writing and, and doing her radio work, but whatever the thing is that makes you feel like you are coming alive and really living in to what you were meant to do with your life. One of the things that I love the most is that she really draws out how much resistance can come up in our lives when we start Mm -hmm. to tap into the things that we're supposed to be doing. And so I'm so glad that she's talking about this because I am a huge, huge, like, it feels weird to say I'm a believer in resistance. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, that's a weird thing to believe in. But secondly, resistance is a thing, whether you believe it's a thing or not. Right, right. You you have experienced the truth of resistance in your life. (laughs) Yes, that is the way to say it, Lee. Exactly. And I have, and I think that not enough people realize it is a powerful force and that when we really do start to move into the universe, move into our circles of influence around us, move into our lives with intention and purpose and really start to live out what we are meant to do in our very, very, very too short time on this planet, that there are forces of resistance that come up and begin to push back against that. And whether it's, you know, losing over 80 pages of your revisions on your novel, (laughs) 
which is a real thing. Yes. Or yes. even just like unexpectedly, oh, the dishwasher goes out and now we have to sink all of this money that I was going to invest in my business or invest in my thing. Now it has to go into a dishwasher. Like these things happen, but you have this beautiful dream and how do you move forward with making it happen. So again, it's one beautiful dream by Jen Fulweiler. It's it's not exactly a productivity book. It's more of like, let's do this. Let's make these things happen in our lives and let's be realistic about it because it's going to be chaotic, but we can still make it happen. So I loved it. Um, the last one I want to talk about is audio only, which is weird. I know, but it's well worth the time and well worth your audible credit for sure. It's called Kick A... <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of people listen with their kids, so I won't say the full word, but you know what the full word is. And it's by Mel Robbins. So Mel Robbins is a pretty well-known, like, motivational speaker type person. I love Mel Robbins. Some people like motivational stuff, speakers. Some people don't. I really like Mel Robbins. I think she's very relatable. Um, her first book is called The Five Second Rule, and she kind of has this theory of how you can create this framework for yourself to really tap into your intuition and become more confident, lose your self-doubt. It's a great book. But this book, Kick A, which is audio only, is so interesting to me because what it is, is actual like recordings of actual coaching sessions. She put oh. out a, she put out a call to her social media community and was like, "Hey, would you like for me to coach you through whatever the problem is in your life?" You know, thousands upon th thousands of people sent in auditions. I guess you could say sent in their story to be picked by Mel. And so it's six sessions that you get to listen in on her coaching people through whatever their issue is. Some of it has to do with like their life, their career, their work, but some of it's just personal stuff. Like I, the first story is a woman who wants to be able to do creative work, but she just cannot even seem to get up off of the computer and actually do anything fun or creative. And they really unpack and dig into what's going on in her life. It's very funny too, the way the whole conversation plays out. It's very engaging, but there are these major epiphanies. And as you're listening along to the person who's being coached, you're like experiencing the epiphany with them and mm. also thinking about how it shows up in your own life. So it's so good. And Mel Robbins is super, super transparent. She tells some stories about her own life that are very vulnerable and very, some difficult stuff that she's been through, which again, I think just that it just ups the empathy factor as you're listening. Anyway, it's only like six hours. It's not something you want to listen to with your kids around because it's adults talking about adult problems using adult language for sure. But, um, it's something that you could get at the beginning of the summer and just kind of work through. I'm having to work through it story by story because I'm like actually taking notes. It's a little bit like cheap therapy, honestly, as you're listening mm -hmm. to her talk these people through their issues, you're thinking like, okay, I know I'm doing this too, but it looks like this in my life instead of like, you know, the person that's being coached. So anyway, it's really great. It's on Audible. I'll make sure to put a link into the show notes um, for anybody who wants to check that out. So those are my nonfiction picks for summer. Lee, I can't wait to hear the rest of your list for our books and reading for summer 2018. Can I, is it okay if I add a nonfiction yes, recommendation? Please do. Okay. I, I just want to spotlight one. Uh, it's Austin Channing Brown's <gasps> memoir. Yes. I'm still here. Yes. Which just came out a couple of weeks ago. It is phenomenal. I have been hearing I, so many great things about it. Yes. Because and it deserves all the praise that it's getting. It is just, it's just wonderful. If you don't know who Austin is, she is a speaker and writer, blogger. 
Um, she has written this memoir about growing up black, Christian, and female in middle-class white America, and just sharing her experience about um, what happens when you work in a majority white space and the different stereotypes and prejudices that she's had to deal with. Um, and it's just, I don't even know how to convey how powerful it is because her, her story is great. I mean, there, there are some hard truths in there. There's also a lot of joy as she's reflecting on the gifts um, the black church has given her, what she loves about being a black woman. She has a lot of great memories from her childhood that she shares, but then also the specific way that she wrote it. Like every chapter is building on itself in a way that is very very masterful. Mm. And when you get to the final two chapters, even there is a, a, I think it's like the second to last paragraph, like the very last second to last paragraph. I read that and I like stopped in my tracks and I had to read it again and again. And I was just blown away. Like it is just so well done. I, I am amazed by it. I cannot wait to read that. Every single person who I have seen talk about on social media has been absolutely blown away by it. So it is for sure on my own list to get to this summer. So thank you for mentioning that one. I want everybody to read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next category is, uh, I guess, contemporary literature. Yes. Um, and that is probably, it's, I think, in between YA, romance, and contemporary lit, that's, this is, those are the three that I read the most. Um, so I had lots to choose from. Yes. Uh, but what I wanted to start with is Next Year in Havana by Chanel Clayton, which if you have not seen the cover for this book, you need to go look it up because it is one of the best, most eye-catching covers that I have seen in a while. It, Love it. It's, they, did, they did a great job on it. <laughs> um, so it, it has a past and present day storyline. Um, it's about Marisol and her grandmother, Elisa. Um, and it is really about Cuba and its history, the rise and fall, the current struggles. So Marisol is a journalist and she travels to Cuba ostensibly to write an article on tourism um, once restrictions were eased. Uh, but really, she is there to return her grandmother's ashes to her native country. Um, Elisa's family left the country when Castro took over. Um, and they never thought that he was going to actually stay in power. Hour, and they always kept thinking that they'd be able to return. So that's where the title comes from next year in Havana, yes. you know, when they would be able to return. Right. Um, so Marisol kind of is digging into the mystery of who her grandmother was while she lived in Cuba. Um, why Elisa never told her granddaughter about her first love. Um, so you're learning about uh, her revolutionary Pablo in 1958. Um, and then that's kind of contrasted with Marisol's own love story. Um, with Luis, who is the grandson of her grandmother's best friend. Okay. Um, and you really you really don't know what's going to happen in the story because there's really high stakes. Um, someone could lose their life. The dangers are very real in Cuba. Um, I didn't know what would happen. Um, and the way that Chanel Clayton wrote the story is just really powerful. I felt like I learned a lot, but it never got in the way of the actual storylines. Right. It's just a really... It's a great read. So next year in Havana by Chanel Clayton. Love it. I love when fiction does that, when you're like, I actually really learned something, but you don't feel like you just sat through history class. Right. (laughs) Um, The next one I want to talk about is The City Baker's Guide to Country Living by Louise Miller. Have you heard of this one? No, I haven't. 
I feel like you would really like this one. Okay. This has a, this has Meg Teets all over it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it already then. <laughs> um, so this is about Olivia, who's a baker in Boston, and she accidentally sets her flambe dessert and the whole club that she works at on fire. Oh, my gosh. So she Wait, escaped. I actually feel like I have, now that you mentioned that, I feel like I have heard of this. Like, I have this on a, on a to-be-read list somewhere, I feel like. It's possible, because I have talked about it a lot. So okay. I may have mentioned it to you. Okay, okay. Um, so... Olivia escapes to uh, Guthrie, Vermont for the weekend, and it kind of turns into a more permanent stay because the inn owner where she's staying uh, recruits her to help her reclaim the blue ribbon for the annual county fair apple pie contest. So so that's the setup. Yes. So she's going to bake at the inn. Um, so you get to see Olivia's approach in the kitchen, learn more about her career. I see how she really doesn't have much of a personal life anymore because of her of her career um, and then you also get to know all the townspeople, um, who are just wonderful side characters. And then there is Martin, who is super dreamy. Um, and so it, Olivia has a lot to figure out about herself and why she keeps running away from her problems. And, you know, who, who is she? Who does she want to be? Can she take a chance on, on relationships, um, with the people in Guthrie? Um, it's just a lovely lovely novel. And Louise Miller actually has a new book coming out in July called The Late Bloomers Club. And I just read an advanced copy of that and it is also wonderful. So you're getting two recommendations for the price of one. (laughs) A twofer for sure. That's kind. Yes. And Louise Miller is, she's actually a chef herself. She's a baker. Oh, fun. So you can, you can follow her on Instagram at Louise the Baker and she, she'll just post all of these really yummy looking things all the time. Fantastic. (laughs) Uh, So that was the City Baker's Guide to Country Living by Louise Miller. And then lastly, this is kind of an unexpected choice for me. If, if anyone knows me well, but we'll, we'll get into that. So this is The Whole Way Home by Sarah Creech. Uh, it is about an up-and-coming country singer named Joe, which is why it's unexpected for me. I do not like country music. Uh-huh, so. Yes, I know. I'm like, huh. <laughs> if you like country music, you will love this book. And if you are like me and you don't like it, you will still love this book because it is, it's really about more than mm-hmm. the country music scene. Right, right. Um, so Joe is about to become this big star, uh, but then her independent label merges with this major label and it forces her to kind of reunite with her first love, um, JD, who is also like a huge country music star. And he's kind of kind of stands for everything that she wants nothing to do with, besides the trauma of their past relationship. Uh, so it's an insider's look at life in Nashville and the country music scene. Um, has radio commentary. There's you know two established performers. There's also an up and coming band that has its own storyline in there. Um, and it, it just raises a lot of interesting questions about um, identity, how the past defines our present and future, if we can really go home again. It also explored racism in a really unexpected way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a really, really interesting book. And I think it'd be great for book clubs. Ah. It's a lot, lot to talk about in this one. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a fun read, but it's also a really moving yeah. book. and. Um, I, I lived in Nashville for five years, so it was really fun to yes. kind of see someone that explored that whole scene and, and do it well. 
Totally. Yes. Tell me the name of it again. It is The Whole Way Home by Sarah Creech. Okay. I know people in our Hangout community are often asking, I need a book club pick. So what, you know, what would be good? So I think that sounds like a perfect fit. Lots of themes to explore there, it sounds like. So good stuff. Okay. Before we wrap up this whole books and reading discussion, we have to talk about A Storied Life by Lee. Yes. Okay, so tell us kind of the plot set up, the context for what, you know, who our protagonist is and all of those things. And yeah. also, I would love to hear who you think it would be a good read for. Okay, yeah. So A Story Life is about Olivia. She's an art gallery owner, and her life has not turned out the way that she imagined. And she's pretty resigned to it. Um, then her grandmother is diagnosed with cancer. And Graham decides not only to forego treatment and sign up for hospice, she wants Olivia to be her primary caregiver. Oh, wow. Yes. So it's kind of kind of a big deal. It's also a big deal because the family is not on board <laughs> with Graham's decision yes. uh, to choose Olivia. But Olivia is really determined to see Graham through this, um, no matter the personal cost. And Graham is just as determined that uh, for Olivia to face her past mm-hmm. and start living the life that she's meant to live. And then because... <laughs> Life carries on no matter what else you're going through. And even if the timing couldn't be worse, there's a love story thrown uh-huh. in there. <laughs> yes. So it explores life and love and loss and love and calling. Oh my goodness. Those are like all of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly a storied life is gonna be a good read for me. Uh, but it sounds like it really delves into the realm of like relationships and in looking at them in a really honest and like the, like you said, there, like the, this is how life is. It doesn't play out yeah. the way we yeah. hope and dream that it's going to. And then, then what? What? What next? Right. Right. So, if you are into those stories that do dig into relationships, and it does sound like a fantastic summer read as well, um, you're going to want to check out a storied life. We will make sure to link to that in the show notes along with all of these other books. And you all can say that you knew Lee Kramer back when, before (laughs) she began her brand new sparkly career as a fiction novelist. So we'll owe it all to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lee, remind everybody where we can find you all around the web, social media, and all of those things so we can have follow-up chat about books and reading in general, and especially about a storied life. Uh, My blog is leekramer.com. You can find me on Instagram at Lee Kramer, and I'm on Twitter at at Hopefully. Okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. Don't forget that the show is on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. Happy reading as the summer kicks off, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.